if you would, open up your Bibles tonight. I want to encourage y'all, uh, just, just in line, just in the same heart of what we've been doing tonight, just ministering to the body, as if we were just sitting together and uh, in the living room and we were talking and we were just ministering heart to heart. I pray that the Lord would minister to you in that way tonight, in a way that is very intimate to you between he and yourself. Uh, and if you would, you can open up to the book of Job, the book of Job. Lord God, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that is in your word. I ask, Father, just like we've been singing tonight, that you, you are already here with us. You dwell within us. But Lord, your manifest presence that is here to heal, to touch, to minister, to bring life. And we welcome you, Lord. You are our God. Have your way tonight. Amen. I want to encourage those tonight that are ready to faint. And uh, you know what that is to faint within yourself or the feeling of ready to faint. I want to minister to those who need a faithful, listening friend. Not just a fixer friend. And uh, we can all do that at different times. Someone who listens and they try to fix everything that they hear. And that can be a bit annoying. That's useful sometimes, but we need sometimes someone to, to just hear us. Just listen to me talk. I want to talk to to those of us who are not going through anything right now, but we're going to pass through something soon. And I want to encourage you for that time. And those of us like me who are learning what it is to be a loyal and a kind friend to, to others that are going through things. And what it looks like to be loyal and kind to friends and family over a lifetime, not just for the moment. If you would go to Job, this is a letter from a very dear friend. Job is becoming a dear friend of mine, not because I'm suffering like him, not because all my moments are filled with pain and misunderstanding like him, but because I'm listening, Job. And when I hear him speak, the more I've listened to him, my ear is just more attentive to his cry and to his words. You know, some people are afraid of Job because the question lingers in the mind, how could God do this to a man? How could God permit this to a man? And you know, you're going to have all the answers in heaven. But all the 99 answers I have are more than enough to weigh, outweigh a question that I may not be able to fully explain. And so when I come to Job now, I really am coming to, to a deepening friendship. He's teaching me what it means to be a friend as I look at his friends. Uh, if you've read through the book of Job, you may have read it in your Bible version many times. And, and, and praise God for our favorite Bible versions. I would also encourage you to listen to it sometime. Job is not a book to really be read through a chapter a day. If you do that, you're going to lose the context It'll feel really broken up. You're not going to really be sure. You're going to be like, what is going on? Okay, Bildad the Shuhite, this guy, the Timonite. What, all these ites are talking to each other. Job's complaining again. But listen to it. I, you know, go on a walk. Go on a 30-minute walk and pick out an bi audio Bible. I was reading through it. The first time I read through it in the Christian Standard Bible, it opened up the world to me when I read that because it... The CSB is a very faithful and a very good translation. It's also the kind of translation where you just kind of sit in front of a fire with a cup of coffee and you just open and you're just expecting to read through a whole letter, not even necessarily study it, 
But just I'm just going to read through it, get the context, get the big story here. It's a great, great version for that. And, and so I've been listening to big swaths of it. I'm reading through the Bible chronologically right now. You're like, Genesis, 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 oh, Job. But it really can be enjoyable. It's not just about pain. But Job was, Job was very honest. He said, I'm just a man. I'm really just a man. And if you go to the, the book of Job, chapter 6, verses, starting verse 11, he said this, What strength do I have that I should continue to hope? And maybe that's where you're at tonight. What strength do I have in my situation, my finances, my health, my marriage, my relationships, my singleness, my, the fact that I'm going through a, a, a divorce, Sins I've committed. What strength do I have that I should continue to hope? What is my future that I should be patient? If I had something good to look forward to, I could be patient for it. But everything feels like it's been stripped away. And that that I don't have hope or anything to wait on. Is my strength that of stone? Or my flesh made of bronze? I mean, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words, they last a lifetime. How about that? And the friends that he was expecting to receive help from are the ones launching arrows at him. And it hurts because he just needs someone to listen. Is his flesh made of bronze? No. Every single arrow of their words is digging deep and hurting him. Since I cannot help myself, I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can't be some John Wayne American man. I'm hurting. The hope for success has been banished from me. I see no positive outlook. I am just a man. I have nothing to look forward to. What can I do? And what do you say to a person that's in that place? A person who, you know, the, the friends, they came there, and it's amazing how patient they were in that day and age. It's not hyperbole. They sat down with him, and for seven days, they sat in silence, mourning with him all that had happened. Lost his children lost his flocks, lost all of his servants, lost his wealth. Everything has been destroyed. He's left with a wife, and she says, curse God and die. Sounds like a pretty bad wife, right? Or at least she was in that moment. Everyone that should have been dear to him could offer no help. What do you do whenever you have no friend in that moment? He found no loyalty. He found no kindness. Continuing in verse 14, and I promise this will become encouraging. But I just want to let you know right now, God knows where you are. God sees you and your need for a loyal and a kind friend. Verse 14 says, a despairing man should receive loyalty from his friends, even if he abandons the fear of the Almighty. Or your translation would say a despairing man should receive loyalty from his friends. And if they abandon him or if they're not loyal to him, they've abandoned the fear of the Almighty. All the translations will kind of move those around, but it has three elements. A despairing person, loyalty and kindness from friends, and the fear of the Almighty. And all of us, whenever we are encountered with a despairing man or woman, we need to take heed. We need to be careful because the fear of God Almighty and our loyalty and kindness are in question at that moment. Will we be loyal? Will we be kind out of fear for God? Can we be so 
grace-filled that when someone even may curse and not at God, but they curse that we don't get bent out of shape because the world is falling apart. Do we condone cursing? No, not at all. There are much better uses for your mouth than that, such as blessing God, right? But how many of you are really going to sit there and say, I've never said anything even questionable in the pits of my despair? Maybe you haven't, and praise God, but have you said anything rash at all? And the answer would be yes. James makes it very clear. Even if you've never said a four-letter or more word, you've spoken rashly. You've said things that were unprofitable. Can we give someone the space to say it and not condemn them? Job's friends could not. They were just too holy, air quotes. They couldn't let them vent. Job was utterly alone. You know, Job, he said this. He said, oh, that you would keep silent and it would be your wisdom. Other, Other translations say, would you just shut up? It says that. Or, you know, because I don't want my son saying something like that. Other versions say, close your mouth. And someone might actually think you're wise. Oh, you miserable comforters who have pretended to be my friends. Shouldn't I be finding loyalty right now? Just be quiet. Just be quiet. They forgot how to listen. And I forget how to listen often. I think we can all forget. We can all be enchanted with the sound of our own voice and the scriptures as they roll out of our mouths that we think are just perfect for the situation. And we, we, we check your watch and it's been five or ten minutes and we're still talking and the person, you know, they, they listen quietly. And perhaps all they really wanted was for you to say, well, let's just go to God with this and pray because I don't know what to do. And maybe that would give them all the comfort they needed right then. Job was expecting something. He was expecting faithfulness. He was expecting nourishment. It was like he was a dry ground expecting water. And if you would, put up that first picture. Has anyone ever heard of a wadi? A wadi. The only hands I see going up are those that have probably traveled a bit extensively or National Geographic, you know. I see the scholars among us here, the the readers here, Mr. Felix, Evan, Carol, that that know what a wadi is. This is a wadi. This is in the desert. And a wadi is a dry, typically a dry bed, hard bottom, lots of rocks. But on certain occasions, it fills up with water and turns into an oasis. Whenever you're in the desert, this is what you look for. There are areas all in deserts in different places where certain, certain areas are known. They fill up with water. You can trust in that. You, you're going as a caravan. This is what you want to find, right? And this is what Job said. My brothers are as treacherous as a wadi, as seasonal streams that overflow. Because it's not always filled up. It's only certain times. Job was expecting to find an oasis in his pain and those around him. But he said they were like a treacherous wadi. Verse 17, the wadis evaporate in warm weather. They disappear from their channels in hot weather. Caravans turn away from their routes. They go up into the desert and they perish. The caravans of Tima look for these streams. The traveling merchants of Sheba hope for them. 
these caravans with camels and they're carrying goods and they're going hundreds and hundreds of miles from one trading area to another trading area. And, and they're, they're expecting it. Oh, I remember there's this one place that if we can find it here, we're going to be okay. We're going to make our destination if I can find this faithful wadi that's an oasis to me. It says in verse 20, they are ashamed because they had been confident of finding water. When they arrive there, they are disappointed. So this is what you have now become to me. If you'd go to that next picture, this is a wadi when it's dry. That's what Job actually found. He expected an oasis and he found a dry, cracked bed that left him more hopeless than when he first began. Because at first he had hopes, but then they were dashed. Just like a person traveling through the desert. I thought it would be here. I thought I could find this faithful friend in my time of need. But this is what happened to them. He said this. He said, when you see something dreadful, you're afraid. Have you ever been afraid whenever you've had a circumstance in front of you? And you're like, I have no clue what to do here. I don't know what to do. Or maybe you've been on the other side. You're like, man, these people just don't know what to do with me. They're afraid of my sin. They're afraid of how deep of a pit I've fallen in, how long I've walked in this immorality. They're afraid of me. Or maybe you think they're afraid of you, even if they're not. But there is one man, the perfect Job, who is not afraid of you. The perfect Job. Because who was Job? Job was set up by God in a contest with Satan to say, Man does love me even if I don't prosper him. There are people on the earth who love me for me, even whenever everything dries up. And Christ was the perfect Job, tested, tried, abandoned by his friends. I'll be faithful to you, Jesus, in the garden. Peter's fallen asleep. Peter, James, and John, they should have been helped to him. Would you come and pray with me, Jesus said. And they fell asleep again and again and again until their help was too late. It's done. I'm going to be buffeted. I'm going to be beaten now. My beard is going to be pulled from my face. I never knew how much that hurt until I started growing my beard out a little bit and pulled on it like this. And I thought, oh my goodness, Jesus let them do that? He let them? He was the perfect Job. He suffered far more than him. And he suffered far more than the friends that God had given him. But instead of being like Job, who was looking for water to help him, Christ was faithful and offered water to those around him. Even when he was going through it, he would even cook breakfast for his chiefest denier, Peter. Isn't that awesome? Job had imperfect counselors. Jesus looked for no counselor. And what did he do? In John 14 to 16, who did he promise to his disciples after he left? The counselor. Jesus wasn't looking for someone to show him what was supposed to happen. He was so faithful to his friends, even when they were treacherous and unfaithful, that he promised waters that would water them. He is a good God, amen? Christ promised rivers of healing waters because he is the wellspring of life. What did he tell the woman at the well? I've got waters here for you. Those five husbands that have rejected you, that man you're living with now that won't even respect you enough to make you his own and let you live 
like a prostitute, basically, that rejection you feel from society, I have waters for you. And wherever you are tonight, whatever you find yourself, I want to tell you there are faithful streams. Jesus will never be this to you. He is the well that never runs dry. He has promised rivers of living water in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here for you. He is there for you to comfort you whenever all other friends have abandoned you. Because really, he's the most faithful friend. The Holy Ghost. He lives inside of you even when you sin as a believer. He doesn't turn away from you when you had a lustful thought, a covetous thought. You had the beer in your hand. You're acting a certain way. You're cursing the person out in I-10 and I-12. You're saying things about God that aren't true. He never left you. That sounds like a really, really faithful friend. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being my friend. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, we get so caught up with our todays that we forget how faithful God has been in our past. I want to ask you to think with you right now about a situation in your life where your life would have been very different if the Holy Spirit had not spoken up and said, stop. I said, stop. Don't do it. Or you were right there and he told you a hundred times, then you pulled back. And you can look back. I can look back at times in my life. And he is a faithful, faithful friend. Jesus said this in the Gospel of John chapter 7. Speaking of these waters, it was the... There was a feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Jesus was in the temple. They would have been carrying water and these pitchers or these buckets from this well that was near the temple and bringing it in near the sacrifice. And it was a picture of the rock that had followed Israel, miraculously followed Israel through the desert. And when it was spoken to or struck, what did that rock provide to the people of Israel? Water. And on the last day, the great day, Jesus stood up and he said this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If the Holy Spirit is within you, you have a friend and a God that wants to drench your dry life. When everyone around us fails us, even those that love us and they're afraid of us and they just don't know what to say, you have a friend in the Holy Spirit, the rivers of living water. Christ himself was that smitten rock. He was smitten on Calvary that he might pour out the real living waters on complaining disciples. He poured out the rivers of living water on disobedient and unfaithful Israelites in the desert. And the Holy Spirit continually pours out refreshing streams on disobedient and unworthy disciples today. He was, if he did it for the Israelites and many of those who died in the desert, will he not do it for us in the land of the living? Amen. He will do it. We will not find this. We will find an oasis in the Holy Spirit. Christ will give us guidance. The Holy Spirit is our helper and our friend. He will give us guidance in our time of need. Like Pastor Lee was saying last Wednesday, whenever we do not know what to do, don't kindle your own fire. 
wait. Wait for these rivers of living waters. Wait for him, for your eyes to fall upon that scripture in your reading plan. And you think you just found that reading plan and you just so, quote, happened there. But the Holy Spirit worked that out from eternity past that you had just so happened to be right there at that day, at that time. And everything shifted or that person texted you. And the Holy Spirit began to move from their life. Or your pastor came and said, hey, I'm very concerned about this decision you're about to make. And I, and I just want to tell you I love you, but I'm just very concerned. And then everything shifted. I can look back in my life and I can see that. My entire existence in this world changed because of time. Pastor Lee just simply said, brother, I'm just concerned because of this. And I could not get you out of my mind. And I broke and I wept in that room over there. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he gave me the light and direction I needed. And I've been rescued because of that. When the Holy Spirit comes, and he, this faithful stream that's flowing from the Father and the Son. I love it. It's, it says that if you ask, the Father will give this. And then Jesus says, I will give him. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son to us. What a gift this person is. In fact, in Isaiah 35, giving pictures of, of what this Holy Spirit, who he would be. It says the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. I was like, what's a crocus? A crocus. I had to look it up in my my Bible dictionary. Beautiful, amazing, such a pretty purple and pink flower. I mean, it's just, it's gorgeous. Go look it up in Google. It's this beautiful flower that would pop up. In this desert place, how could beauty come from ashes? How could this exquisite flower come from death? It was the water that came. It's the Holy Spirit. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. Can you imagine that God is actually going to bring joy in singing to your life? That he wants to do that? Joy in singing where there's barrenness? He wants to do it. He wants to do it. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. God wants to pour out his majesty in your place. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Be strong. Fear not. Behold your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Desert place without hope. He is going to come to you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Uh Uh-oh. That's kind of messianic, isn't it? Who came to do that? Who's that sound like to you? Come on, y'all. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Who did that? Then the lame man shall leap like a deer. Who did that? This is the reign of the Messiah here. This is when he came on the earth. This is what he did. The tongue of the mute sing for joy. Waters break forth in the wilderness. Streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool. You ever walked on hot asphalt? And you're like, oh, I just really need to get from here to there, like as a little kid. And it just begins to build up, build up. It shall become a pool. Refreshment. It's kind of like, I did this the other night, and I'm like, ooh, I gotta use this. Have you ever eaten Nutella off of a spoon? A big, thick glob of Nutella. And you're just like, and you get to that point, 
right? Well, the other night I took this big thing of Nutella and little did I know it had gotten a little bit dried out at the bottom and it actually started getting stuck here. And I'm like, I'm going to die on Nutella. God have mercy. And I'm just looking for this drink. I'm looking for this refreshment. I'm looking for something to help me. And that's exactly who God wants to be, our drink like that, when life is choking us, when even the good things are killing us. These thirsty grounds are going to spring with water. Even in the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. Those are those things that grow all along the Nile River. The reeds, the rushes, like Moses in the basket was set down among the reeds and the rushes in that fertile area. It says in Isaiah 44, 1-5 here, it says, But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land. Jesus said, All you who thirst, come to me. The problem of Israel and Isaiah was, They were trying to go to the wrong place to satisfy their actual needs. But Jesus is saying, I'm the faithful well. The Holy Spirit is saying, I've already been promised and I'm within you. If you would just let me satisfy you, let me make you like an oasis. Streams in the dry ground. Listen to this. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand the Lord's and then and name himself by the name of Israel. So how many of you are spiritually parched? How many of you have that real need in a situation in your life for a faithful, listening friend? You need wisdom in your direction. Come be filled by the Spirit. Come be filled with Him. Come spend time with your friend. Come let Him pour waters on dry ground. And do not hem Him in to our narrow traditional experience of what it means to be filled by the Spirit. Pray in your tongues. Sing in your tongues. Do those things. Let them fill you with hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Filling in the Holy Spirit can also just bring you hope and joy and peace and believing. Have you ever been in that situation? I don't know what to do. I have a decision to make. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he gives you no real answer. But you have joy and hope and peace and believing. And you're like... It's going to be okay, and I, and I don't know what the answer is, but God's just come here, and I've got a peace that passes understanding. I'm so glad he said a peace that passes understanding because we don't have to understand the situation to have peace. For all my type A personality, brothers and sisters out there, you don't have to have a plan to have peace. You just have to have him comforting you that he is going to show you what to do, and that's enough. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light. What do I do? Trust the name of the Lord. Rely on your God. Rely on your God. Come be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to invite the music team to come up here, but I want to speak to you a little bit more. 
Pray in your tongues, sing in your tongues. Stir yourself up. Build up your most holy faith. Allow God to guide you to scripture too. Don't just come down and say, if I can pray in tongues, everything's going to be okay. Do that and say, God, guide me. The Holy Spirit inspired scripture too, right? That's the touchstone. Let him lead you. Give me your truth. Give me everything you want to do. I don't want to say, just give me scripture. Just give me everything. Let the waters flood. Let them break my, my, even my Pentecostal traditional banks. Flood this. Let all the foliage grow up. Let everything happen. Give me all the gifts of the spirit. Let everything function the way you want to through your spirit. Act in faith. Allow the water of the Holy Ghost to direct you. Let the word of God be the rudder that steers your life when you get up and you go. If I've said anything tonight and there's a note, hold fast to what it is, a scripture he might put in your mind. Let that be the watering that comes to your life and let that grow up from there. It also says, and y'all can go ahead and start playing. It says, do not get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And Pastor Lee's taught this all the time. I just don't feel it. It doesn't say feel it. It says be filled with the Spirit. How? Talk to each other in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. That melody, maybe that chorus that keeps going in your mind. Pray that back to the Lord. That could be the Holy Spirit too. You don't have to wait for some lightning bolt from heaven. You're the well that won't run dry. Oh, you're the well that won't run dry. Oh, I, I need a drink from that well. I'm dry. You don't run dry. Would you, would you pull up? A bucket of that water from the well, God, poured it out on my dry ground. Would you do that for me? It says, sing and make melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks. Maybe you're very dry, you're spiritually parched, but you can look back on something that God has done this week, or he's even done in your life, and you can begin to just say, thank you, God, this happened. Thank you, God, that didn't happen. Thank you, God. Oh, wait, there was another thing. Thank you, God, when I had need financially and my car was a wreck and I needed this, you did it. Thank you, God, when I needed a van, you let my wife total my car, not get hurt, even though she was 37 weeks pregnant. And now we have a minivan and you actually showed me that morning the exact amount it was going to cost. And you even showed me to go ahead and go look on the app. And then I went ahead and went to the car dealership and I was signing papers. People from three hours away came and they were like, oh, you even filled out, you even brought it up here for us. And they said, no, we're selling it to these people. Thank you, God. You led my steps like that. Even when I didn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, everything begins to move and to flow. And you have this happy heart that's rejoicing in God and he's filling you with the spirit is any among you suffering let him pray come pray let the word of God dwell in you richly is there something from your reading that you've been doing our favorite passage come and speak it to the Lord come and meditate on it before the Lord and wait for the rivers of living water to come here and when you go home let's just come and let's ask for this faithful, listening friend. You know, you can even pour out your complaint before him. It says, come to me in your day of trouble. I will hear you. I will save you. And you will glorify me. Even if you've been unfaithful. Even if you're in a dry, parched place because you've overspent. You've worshipped your false gods and idols. And they've left you high and dry. 
It's to those kinds of people that Isaiah was written. And he promised the crocus and those oases in the wilderness. Let's just come to our God who promised fountains of living water and be filled and be refreshed and be nourished by our God. Hallelujah.